All right, here we go. Episode 10 already. We're already at 10 episodes. Man, that's crazy. Um, that's awesome. Under the Scope podcast. Today, I'm joined by Elena. Elena, Elena Fatakova, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Fatakova? Yes. Fatakova. You got pretty, it right. I'm pretty good at Russian. No, I'm not, but <laughs> I think so. Um, how are you doing, Elena? How you been? Uh, great. Awesome. How are you? It's, well, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Um, so a lot of people think that the semester picks up, like, right at the end. Like, a lot of work is coming in, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I get like relieved um, because next week's Thanksgiving and, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of like de-stressed. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Three weeks uh, I, th- I think this semester has been the hardest so far, even though I personally don't have that many credits, but uh, I have like full-time 12, but it feels like I'm like 20. Hmm. Why? Because I have this uh, leadership position without research and that has been a lot of work and a lot of body involvement. So it's been busy, but uh I totally agree with you that it kind of, to me personally, feels a little more relaxed now. Uh, last week was the craziest one. I think it up right before Thanksgiving, like where everybody's pushing, especially with this COVID situation, because we're not going to be on campus anymore. Mm. But it's going to be virtual. So I think this was like the hardest week, but it's it's getting there to the end. Yeah, no, we're certainly getting there. I think a lot of people, like the professors, like everyone just kind of wants to be done with this, right? So yeah everyone everyone's in the same boat here and so I, you know professors i i personally believe that they're alleviating a lot of stuff so you know but you know we'll get to thanksgiving and then all of a sudden it'll be christmas and then the new year and it's just like holy crap then and we then have one semester so one more push one more semester one more push it's, it's crazy to think about all right elena i'm gonna i want to start with this because um for those who don't know you're actually from russia and yes. so I want to kind of, I want to talk about that a little bit, um, just kind of the, your experiences like growing up in Russia and how it like, you know, different, how it's different from over here in America, if you would like to go into that a little bit. Sure. So I was born in Russia and I lived in Russia till I was 21. So I don't mean to give away my age, but uh, <laughs> uh, I lived uh, most of my conscientious life in Russia. And then I moved here and uh, I went to... Ulyanovsk State University in Russia. That's a state university. And uh, I did four years there. And the difference between the education here and there compared university-wise. In Russia, you have to go through five years and you're going to get your master's degree. There's no such thing as bachelor's. You can get the equivalency, but, you know, it's not like here. Here, you have four years, you get the bachelor's, and you work two years. If you're fortunate enough to join 4 plus 1, you can get you know, master's within a year and then further education. So I got my equivalency of bachelor's because I only did four years and now I'm here. And um, it's been, uh, it's been different. Mm. Uh, the, the, the main thing, the main difference, I would say the college education in Russia, when you apply to get accepted to a certain program, the degree of study, you don't really have any choice in the classes you're going to take because everything is set up for you. So this is a curriculum. This is what you're going to do. And everything is outlined for you. Here, you have more of a choice. So this can be a good thing. This can be also, you know, in some cases, if you don't make correct choices, if you don't think really consciously what you want to do, and if you don't have that goal ahead of you, um, you can take the wrong courses. So you got to focus and you got to really stick with your advisor. No, for sure. 
you think learning in Russian is easier than learning in English? Like, do you, like, not even just in chemical engineering, but just in general. Like, do you, is there like, is it easier in Russian? Do you think? You mean the Russian language or Russian yeah. oh, uh, language? I'm just curious about that. Well, Russian language is considered one of the most complicated languages. And I can tell you that I'm a linguist myself. So my other bachelor's equivalency is in linguistic science, linguistics and science of teaching. So hmm. uh, this is, uh, so I'm a Turk <laughs> and a linguist. And uh, it's, I can't really say because I'm a native speaker, but hmm. who is learning it as a second language, you know, they might hide, they might find it difficult in the beginning maybe, yeah. but have to get immersed in the culture and in this whole language to mm. be better. So this is what happened when I got here to America as well. Uh, even though I was a linguist and I knew the grammar and I knew the English, but you go through like about a couple of weeks of this uh, language barrier thing where your brain, it's like a sponge. You pick up all the words and all the sentences, anybody who's talking about anything to you. And mm. then you can't really verbalize yourself. I'm talking about the first time when you go somewhere. You can't really verbalize yourself like fluently, but then it's kind of like you have a breakthrough in a couple of weeks and it comes out of you. So well, that-, like that, and I think, well, English is just like so much, there's so much slang. Like there's so much like like contractions and slang that like you you can't learn in the classroom, right? Um, why, wait, real quick before we really get, get into this, like why, and why is Russian like more complicated? Is it, is the alphabet like symbols? Or is it like uh, it, it? It is a Cyrillic al- alphabet. It's thirty-three letters right now. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, if you talk about uh, ages before, it was f- over forty, and then over like one forty-six at one point. So uh, right now, it's thirty-three letters, Cyrillic alphabet, and it's similar to Greek. We have the flexions, and the, the way the the uh, sentences, the words in the sentence, are connected together. There's flexions. There's all sorts of things to keep track of. And this this is what people might find difficult because you have to track, you have to keep track of everything in the sentence. Mm. But in English, for example, the word you say is gonna sound exactly the way it is in this part of the sentence or like whichever whichever part of the sentence you're gonna use it in. Mm-hmm. It's the same writing of it. Yeah. But oh. it's different. That's interesting. Um, I wish I were bilingual. Um, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. But I definitely agree though, until you- You can always learn, you can always learn languages. I, I, yeah, I know, but here's the thing though. I feel like you can't, you can learn a language, right? But until you're like in a country or like you speak it 24 seven, you're never gonna actually pick it up. And that's just my personal opinion, um, you know? Well, I, I agree with you partially. You can still immerse yourself in other ways. You can watch the movies, you can, you can write, because everything is virtual. You can join certain communities and you can kind of talk to people, native speakers. So you can do that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I want to go ahead. We'll, we'll go ahead and hop right into this then, Elena. So you're okay. you're a so credits wise, you're 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 with me. You're a senior chemical engineering major. Yes. You want to take us through a little bit, like why you wanted to study chemical engineering, and you know what is it? Yeah, sure. What about chemical engineering that you you know enjoy so much? Well, I took a gap after doing my linguistics and science of teaching. I was here in America, and I took about twelve year gap in education. And uh, then I, one day I just got inspired by, by this little rock. I have my little rock here. You wanna tell the viewers that are listening on, a, on like, they're not viewing it, like what it, that rock is? Of course. So this rock is called Shungite. 
And uh, this is a two billion year old rock and they can be mined only in Russia uh, in one area, Lake Oniga. And uh, they have 94 to 96, I believe, percent fullerene content. And if anybody is familiar with fullerene content, this is a Buckminster fullerene. Uh, if you know what the soccer ball looks like on the outside, this yeah. is the C60 fullerenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. So yeah. uh, the scientists in Russia, they have been studying this C60 fullerene and they particularly studied it in terms of application to cancer uh, and uh, like chemotherapy that people go through. Yeah. Uh, they would... Uh, do the tests and people would be, you know, the fullerene would be, C60 fullerene would be extracted and then they would try to do some kind of studies uh, when people were going through chemotherapy, they would, I guess, ingest it. And uh, it showed uh, some areas of success that people didn't have to recover after the chemotherapy so long uh, compared to when they, you know, took the fullerenes. Uh, so what I did is I didn't have the lab, but, there were other studies done about the water and specifically by uh, Masaru Emoto. Water has memory, if anybody's interested to watch that. So water can uh, take on uh, different qualities of, uh, you know, words, thoughts, uh, any, any kind of, it picks up the energy and you can kind of restructure the water. It has memory. And there were studies done and there were pictures taken on the water. It's very interesting. So I recommend to everybody. And what's it called? Uh, water has memory. Hmm. This is a study or a movie? It was a movie? Uh, it, it's a movie, but it shows a lot of the studies done. Okay, cool. So what I did is, uh, and this has been done for many years, uh, 17th century in Russia. Mm -hmm. So you put this rock into the water and it has its qualities. It kind of disinfects the water. It uh, kind of purifies it in a way. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what I did is I used this this rock in the water and I restructured it. And then I kind of was my own guinea pig because it's safe to drink, it's just water. So mm. I always suffered from else. And uh, I noticed I could only take Claritin D 24 hours and that would be the only thing that would help me for like 12 hours and then everything would start running. So when I was drinking that water, I noticed that I really didn't have the symptoms during those seasons. So that was one of the things. It, it kind of gives the water antioxidant properties, I would say. And then another thing I did, I tested, I have the uh, poison oak and poison, poison ivy exposure. Mm -hmm. So I used that water and whatever I did before, uh, it didn't help. You know, it, it, it's the worst thing you can get. And then you start scratching and it spreads. So I used this water. I figured, you know what, let me try and see if that works there. So I just used a cotton ball and I just put a little water on my wound and let it air dry. And it stopped itching for a few hours. So wow. I used my uh, healing time significantly because I wasn't scratching it and I wasn't spreading it. Not that it was treating it, but you know, this was interesting. And this is how I got into this whole chemical engineering idea because I really wanted to know how things work. Mm. Experimentally, I know they work. So it's like a little- Totally, like you did it from your own uh, experience. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to know the mechanism of how things work. I want to know how it is, and then I want to be able to explain it, and I want to study it, and this is how I got into this chemical engineering field. So, Elena, real quick, just so I can, just so, like, the viewers kind of understand, just so, like, I understand this as well. So, so you had, you had basically allergies, and you had, like, poison ivy, like, rashes, whatever, right? 
Yeah. Okay. So that rock you had, what was the rock called again? It's called Shungite. Shungite? U-N-G-I-T-E. Yep. So it's Shungite. And that that rock is a C is a C60 um fully impact. Yeah, full impact, which is a high content. Right. Which is for people that don't know, basically its molecular crystal-like structure looks like a soccer ball, right? That's mm-hmm. what it looks like. So yep. you can imagine what the basic soccer ball looks like. If you can imagine that sphere, there's 60 carbon atoms within it, and it looks like that. Um, you Honestly, you're better off just looking it up. It'll, it'll make more sense. But So you dissolve that rock in water? I didn't dissolve it. I oh. just dumped the, the rock, and uh, you just keep it there overnight. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever magic happens, this is the reason why I wanted to study this. This is why I wanted to get into chemical engineering, because I know it works. I just want to know how. I want to be able to explain the details, mechanism, and stuff like that. So what made you want to do that, though? Why did you put the rock in the water? Like, did you just, like, screw well, it? I always like to do research, and this this most, like, a different holistic ways of doing things. And uh, uh, this has been known since 17th, 16th century in Russia, and then mm. I you know what, I was doing this healthy lifestyle and this is one of the things that I did, but then I really got into really figuring out like how it works and why it works. Mm-hmm. I did more research on the studies that have been done. And, you know, there were a lot of studies done in Russia specifically with those cancer ther- cancer therapies. And then the, post, uh, uh, I guess, post recovery time after this uh, chemotherapy. So, so when you put the shukar in the water, you left it overnight, and then when you apply the wa- that water to your like you can you can just drink it you can just drink, drink it, it like yeah and then all like your a, like symptoms went away like everything just went away it's not that they went away permanently they went away temporarily but i didn't take the medication and yeah. this was a big difference for me so it did something to me wow that's really interesting okay so, so yeah okay so this is how, this is how you initially got into chemical engineering you wanted to discuss yes. how that actually works yes exactly right. okay awesome so did you further study that Shukart rock or did you kind of move on from that? But you weren't on the, like, I know you, you did. Well, this was, therapy. yeah, this was kind of like the push uh, okay. got me into this whole field. And then uh, I was looking around different schools and I, I'm a non-traditional student. So I went to two community colleges because I was kind of figuring out where I wanted to go with this. And uh, I took some courses applicable to engineering. I got in touch with Drexel people and they told me what they required because I was really interested in their program originally. But then I came to Widener for the transfer student event, the open day, and I met Dr. Patil there. And uh, that was it. <laughs> so we'll go ahead because this is a, that's a good transition right into this because I know his your research, his research, your guys' research is um, cancer immunotherapy. So... Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead. Let's hop right into this because I think it'll, it'll connect sure. it really well. So, you want to start with like a little bit of background on your research first, like what, like if people that, sure. like what it is and like what's the background. So, go ahead. sure. So, uh, we are doing cancer immunotherapy research uh, at Widener Nanobio Lab with Dr. Patil, and uh, the goal of our research is to find the small molecular inhibitors, bioactive molecular inhibitors of um, PD-1, PD-L1 a mechanism in cancer. And I probably have to go into what, what it is so people understand a little more. Mm-hmm. So if you look at cancer cell and the T cell, T cell is the immune system's cell. Um, 
our innate immune system. So what we're trying to do, we're trying to optimize our innate immune system to be able to fight the cancer. And the way that the mechanism goes, uh, the PD-1 protein is expressed on the T cell. It's our good immune system cell. And then the PDL1 protein is expressed on the cancer cell. So when they're like a key and lock system mechanism. So when the cancer cell uh, matches up with this, uh, matches up with T cell and use those proteins. Uh, antibodies, right? So it's like, we call it the secret handshake. So when they make this connection with the proteins, PD-1, PDL1, that tells the T cell, cancer sends a message to the T cell saying, I'm not your enemy, don't kill me, don't touch me, I'm a friend. So we call it the secret handshake. Hmm. What our goal is to prevent this interaction from happening, and we are uh, looking for smaller molecules because right now there's six antibodies, antibody treatments that have been FDA approved. One of them is Keytruda uh, by Merck, and the way using this is our control in the experiments. And uh, they have their own limitations. There's like low bioavailability, uh, there's high cost, there is a uh, yeah. Very low penetration because uh, it's a large molecule. So there's many, many things that come with it. And then there's also adverse immune reactions because uh, here's the thing that cancer cells, they tend to overexpress this PDL1 protein. Mm -hmm. But the protein also is being expressed on healthy organs and tissues in the body. Mm -hmm. So if this is like a protective mechanism for the cancer cell, mm -hmm. and if uh, we have this. Uh, let's say Keytruda or any other approved antibody in the body, uh, you get like injections every so often and they, they can cost, don't hold me accountable, but we heard 60 to 80,000 per treatment. It depends. You, you, ha you have to really have a lot of money to be able to afford that. And the insurance rarely covers things like that because you know they have their own ways. So- yeah, real quick, can I can I just kind of intercept sure. you just so like just so I understand it and the viewers mm -hmm. understand kind of what's going on here. So basically, so cancer cells have the they spread because your antibodies and your proteins can't signal to the rest of your body that cancer is like bad, like from your from the cell point of view, correct? Is that would that be a is that too generic? It's a little generic. There is a specific mechanism, but the principle is the same. So what they found in the study is that there were a lot of T cells coming in uh, to this uh, to this locations where there were cancer cells, but nothing was going on there. So the uh, scientists started to study what's going on, what is going on there that prevents the T cells from attacking and killing those cancer cells. And this is what this is what they uncovered. This mechanism that was going on. So real quick too, and now when you say cancer cells, is it any kind of cancer, like, or is it like lung cancer, brain cancer, like are there specific organs in the body that this, Well, or, there's, or is it just, is it based on the protein? That's a good question. There is a uh, different types of cancer and they all have different mechanisms. So PDL1 okay. mechanism is only one of the mechanisms that, it, that is being utilized. And that's what we're targeting. Okay. So, so this is important because so the PDL, yes, certain types right. of cancer. So PDL cancer is not a specific like lung, brain, liver, whatever. It's PDL, well, right? Well, it's not. I would correct you on that. This is just okay. a, this. This is specific uh, types of cancer, and uh, we're just looking at this specific mechanism. It's like a micro world of this, this okay. mechanism. So okay, we're gotcha. focusing on this. So you were just okay. 
were you so you guys were just studying it or were you guys trying to prevent them from like locking together actually this is our goal what we're trying oh. to do that's a good question mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to find the small molecules we're trying to avoid all these limitations that the current treatments the antibody treatments have mm -hmm. and we are going through the database of the uh, small uh, they're either investigational drugs or already FDA approved drugs. And uh, we are doing two methods here. We're doing the computational analysis and then uh, we narrow down a large uh, database. Uh, mm. And then we narrow it down our criteria. And uh, I can go further into that if you want me to. Uh, but just to, to a little bit. like a little overview. So we narrow down the criteria based on the criteria, uh, the types of molecules that we're going to be further experiment uh, testing experimentally. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, based on that, we're gonna get the results. And uh, this was what we were doing two years ago when yeah. I joined the lab. Mm -hmm. For this particular senior project, we are doing a little different approach. We're doing PDL1 dimerization approach. So- Awesome. So, okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, what have you guys found? Like, what what was the it, what are, what are the conclusions right now? And then, can you explain a little bit more what the current project is like? Cur like, what are you guys doing right now? So, what have you guys found? Sure. What's the project right now? So, uh, for the project right now, like I said, we are focusing on PDL one dimerization. So, PDL one is the protein that is expressed on the cancer cell. Okay. So, imagine. Uh, all talk about coronavirus we have this visual right now right yeah. an example you see those little spikes yeah. on this, uh, this uh, main bowl yeah, so yeah. Imagine those little spikes are kind of like pdl1 protein hmm. and the cancer cell is that little bowl so yeah okay that makes sense. there so multiple so what we're trying to do we're trying to find a way to bind them together like like, like this two of those uh, pdl1 proteins on the cancer cell if they can be bound together and held like that, so they're not going to be available to interact to do that secret handshake with the PDL1 with a PD1 protein. Oh, ah, okay. That so it's a it's a little different approach. So for this particular one, uh, we uh, have uh, we have uh, Bristol Myers Squibb. They discovered uh, several molecules, and uh, they were able to do that specifically what we're talking about. They were able to connect those PDL1 proteins and hold them together. So we're using that as a control as well. And we are doing the database screening based on the criteria that would uh, probably should go into the pocket here. So when the PDL1 uh, proteins, when they bind together, there is a pocket in the middle. Mm. And this is where this molecule would be uh, that holds them together. Yeah. So they did the X-ray, um, crystal structure. Yeah, it's like crystallography. Yeah, so the, we uh, we took out this molecule of that pocket, the known molecule. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to fit the database of the experimental drugs, of the FDA approved drugs. Uh, as of right now, we're working with the t about 10,000 molecule database. So we're feeding uh, all these molecules to see how well they will fit in the pocket, how many interactions they will have, how good the interactions are, and if they're gonna be able to hold the proteins together. It has to be on both proteins. Yeah. So that's what we've been doing. And our result would be intermediate result. Uh, six molecules 
for the computational analysis, uh, looking to narrow down those 10,000 molecules into 6,000, I'm sorry, six, into six, and six molecules, we're gonna test them experimentally next semester. Wow. To actually see if it really is going on. Right, that's, that's awesome. So it's not necessarily a cure, right? It's not necessarily a cure you guys are working on, but you guys are like, well, almost like you guys are almost like dumbfounding the cancer cells by like getting it to like not connect. Actually, this can be the way to prevent cancer from growing. And here's the thing that we just learned. There was an article that came out not long ago, mm -hmm. the recent one that says right now, the trial recru recruitment, the human trial recru recruitment for the uh, antibody treatments mm -hmm. in America is down. Uh, because they are looking at other options. And actually what we're doing right now is being on the cutting edge at the tip of the spear to find those other ways to treat cancer. Gotcha, okay. It's so, even more important. Okay, so I wanna just clarify this one more time. So, cause I, I, I'm really interested in this, but I wanna make sure I have it right. And I'm, sure. not, I'm not confusing your research here. So, would you could so is the PD is a PDLI or what is it PDI PDL PDL one PDL one okay this is the uh that's the binding that's the binding site right this is the protein that is being expressed on the cancer cell right okay. and then there is PD one and that's the protein that's being expressed on the T cells okay so if you can get so you're trying to change the active site of the PDI on the cancer cells, correct? By getting them to stick together, right? Because that would change the uh, active site. Actually, actually we, are, we are targeting the active site. Active site is where this whole interaction happens, this little okay. pocket that targeting. So this is the area where the interaction occurs. So what and you're, trying to, to, you're trying to see what it's made out of basically, right? Or what- uh, we're, we're trying to see which molecule will be able to bind to this active site. So uh, the, um, in the current research, the PDL1 protein, the dimerization, we're trying to find the molecule that will be able to bind to that active site on both, uh, both uh, PDL1 proteins where they bind in that little pocket. So that's the active site there. So mm -hmm. we need to fit the molecule, make sure that uh, there is all criteria. The binding happens on both ends. So it's like, this is how I compare, what, what I compare it to. Mm. You, have, you have this big giants and you're just a little guy and you have two arms or maybe even more arms. It's, imagine an octopus. The more, the better. The more, the merrier. Mm -hmm. So if you're there, you have to hold them together. You're like a magnet. You have to grab them with as many arms as, as you can. And they, you have to grab both of them. And you have to hold them tight, bring them together, and then hold them tight, making sure that they're not going to go anywhere. Wow. So the magnet and you're holding them together. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're looking for. We're looking for those little molecules with those arms that would grab them and hold on to them. That's so cool. So it disables them from connecting to the T cell and doing the secret handshake. So the cancer would be growing. Wow, that's so cool. So, oh wow. So where do you like, when, after you graduate, do you, can, do you see yourself like continuing that research or do you want to kind of get, what, what do you see yourself in like a couple years from now? I love doing the research uh, and uh, I'm actually in four plus one MS. Mm -hmm accelerated program. So uh, I will have another year to get my master's degree and I'm doing the thesis option. So I am certainly continuing to do that research with Dr. Patil. Mm -hmm. 
which is very exciting. And uh, yep, and uh, down the road, uh, I would see myself working for probably some kind of pharmaceutical company and uh, hopefully doing the research or be connected in any capacity with cancer immunotherapy because I personally know a lot of people, my best girlfriend, she just a couple of years had the big tumor removed from her brain and the egg side tumor. I have a lot of relatives in my family who suffer from lung cancer, you know, very all sorts of things. So uh, this is my passion, passion for research and cancer immunotherapy. So I would like to connect my life with that somehow. That's incredible. What do you say to people that, you know, like there's a running joke that the government has a cure to cancer and no one's like, they're not sharing it. Is that true? Do you think that's true? Or like people are still, this is cutting edge stuff. I don't know. There's many things out there and I don't really know what is true and what is not. All I can say that we focus on what we see has worked and we're trying to make the ways better. And we're trying to get the, uh, we're trying to find a way to help people because statistically right now there is um, about 1600 people dying from cancer every day. And uh, there are over 5,000, I believe over 5,000 cases of cancer every day. And cancer is number two uh, death uh, reason in the United States. The wow. first the heart disease, the second is cancer, and the third is the uh, medical so, malpractices oh wow okay well this research is this is pretty incredible um i mm-hmm. I, I really hope you guys take this far um what, what do you think is like what's like what's been the most what, what's been like the best part about your research like what do you think when you look back it's like that was super cool like what do you think has been like your favorite part i think knowing that there is a bigger goal there than just like working in the lab and doing this little project here and there. Personally, I have this feeling that we have this bigger objective to help people and save lives. And if we find this one molecule that will make the difference, it can save a lot of lives. And this has been my passion to find whatever we can find that molecule, this molecule in this particular mechanism or the other one, because we're still working on the other mechanism. So it's just different ways to get to the goal. You can go around, you can go left, you can go right, you can go below, above, you can go through something to get to the objective. And this is what we're doing. And to know that higher goal that we're trying to find the relief for people who are suffering and dying from it, this has been the most gratifying thing for me. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is truly incredible. Like, um, and it's crazy to think that, you know, this research is happening at Widener and like a lot of people don't exactly. know you guys are doing this. Like, you know, that's crazy to me. So. Absolutely. This is the, uh, at, like when we started out two years ago, when I just joined, we started out uh, widening Dr. Patil and his lab, they were doing it way before. So uh, when I joined, we were doing the experimental part and this has been a lot of work that other people, other students previously, they completed. So we're all working as a team. This is not just one person or a couple yeah. of this has been a continuous project with the team it's different approaches it's a lot of work that's put into that and uh it's it's just incredible to know that a widener is on this cutting edge of this whole uh problem and uh, dr patil is just an incredible leader and uh uh he's been the guide and uh to be able to be under his wing and the supervision the leadership it's, it's been it's luck (laughs) I I would say I'm leaving my dream because I joined Widener because of Dr. Patil really that's awesome and I wanted to work in his lab and that's what I'm doing right now I it's it's amazing to me what 
what you can accomplish when you like put yourself out there. Right. I mean, you know, you were, you know, you, you wanted to continue chemical engineering. You said, screw it. I want to go get my education. And then you did. And then, you know, you started snooping around all of a sudden you end up at Widener and, you know, now you're here. Like, am I crazy? Or like, it's just crazy how things work out sometimes, you know? I think somebody up above looking out for me. (laughs) The right people in my path. So I'm very grateful for that. For sure. And so just, I mean, keep up the hard work. I mean, this is, this is awesome. So what, what, what's been like one of your favorite, like your favorite uh, wider like moments, like your memories here, like what's, what's like some of your favorite moments? Well, I like the fact that it's a smaller school. Here's Mm -hmm. when I went to the larger school in Russia, I have the experience because also I was thinking like, if I go to Drexel at the very beginning stages, it's a larger school. So I experienced that over there, you're pretty much like a number, you know, you really have that one-on-one interaction and what I love about Widener is you have smaller classes you have one-on-one interaction not only with your professors but also with your student peers and uh, this has been very important because you can make these connections you can you can you know relate to actual people uh, and uh, be in touch and it's like a smaller community and everybody is very helpful to each other and we'll work together in the labs right yeah absolutely I mean reaching out yeah I think well, yeah, I'm, gra- I'm grateful that you're even here, like, you know, on the, on the podcast, sharing all this information, because it truly is, like, at least the, the senior chemists, like, we, we're all pretty close together, I think. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't find in other disciplines, not to say that it's not there, but I don't know, I like to think that our class is pretty strong, like, we're, we're pretty strong together, so... Um, and, you know, I enjoy that, all the professors. That yeah. sense of the uh, community was very, very important. And then the fact that uh, we are involved in many things. Uh, I am the secretary of AICHE. That has been a good experience for me because I'm the kind of person that likes to do, I share with you, Aiden. I like to do my magic, my thing. uh, And I don't really like the uh, light. Uh, I like to stay in the shadow and uh, not really the acolyte type of person. Uh, But, you know, it's, it's good that I push myself further. For example, I got involved into ACHE, so uh, this helped me push myself out of, outside my comfort zone. Mm. The same thing with the with the uh, research. Like I have to present this stuff, so I have to really constantly push myself and grow. So that has been also very good. No, I think that's I was because I was actually going to ask you some advice to future students because you know a lot of people get you no know, nervous. They don't like to, they like to work on their research and they just like, you know, presenting their stuff and that's all they, they want to do. And there's not, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. I would just argue that, you know, if you aren't sharing these things though, people aren't going to know that, that all this research is going on. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's important to share at least. So I, I agree with you. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Cause I participated in circa, not this summer, but last summer. It has been a very, amazing experience for me just to be able to be exposed to all this research that's going on at Widener and to know that there's research happening in the areas that I didn't even think that you could research that, right? Right. So that's been a lot of fun and really incredible to get to know what other people are doing and uh, to share what you're doing. And again, you are constantly growing. You got to get comfortable with getting outside yourself and, uh, just don't stay where you are. If you want to grow professionally, and I know it's very hard because I'm the type of person that you really have to really push yourself and kick yourself sometimes to get uh, outside the comfort zone. But if you do that, you will grow as a person, you will grow professionally, and uh, uh, the sky is the limit in your future career. And my advice to Widener students would probably be keep pushing the boundaries and get involved in the research. You have to really 
get involved in the research and you have to uh, really try and uh, find what your passion is and follow your passion because at the end when you graduate you really want to enjoy your job and you want to wake up in the morning being excited like always Aiden. <laughs> Aiden amazes me <laughs> every time I see him in the class I don't know what you're drinking or what you're eating I would like to <laughs> that to get that energy. I'm high off life listen I'm grateful to even be here right now to be surrounded by all these like you know all my professors all my classmates like you just have to be grateful for where you are and exactly if you live that you live that positive attitude every day like every day is a good day like I never have a bad day and you know but I kind of want to go back to the two points that you just said because sure originally like I think let's say that let's say you're more on the shy like you're you're more of a shy student right let's just say you're, Mm -hmm. you're more shy and there's nothing wrong with that no um but there's the potential to grow um there's so much there's so much ability to grow and I think that what's important to point out though is you know, no one's, a- no one's asking any student to present their research at the ACS symposium, like in front of mm-hmm. people. No one's asking you to do that. Um, you know, no one's asking to be a part of three or four organizations and be the president of each single one. But I think you have a, a civic duty to yourself and, you know, to, to yourself and people around you to just get involved a little bit, right? Yes. Start by, start by doing your research, right? And then do one presentation. If you do the circus presentation, that's great. Do one. Let's say now you're a secretary ASHE, right? That's a great first step. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like there's little there's little steps that you can go, and then by the time by the time you graduate, you're given presentations at ACS, and you're the president of ASHE. Like you know, there's so many things can happen, and some people yeah. just it's just all about taking that first step. I think. I would absolutely agree with you. And this is a great practice before you actually get into the real world where you get a career. And at that time, you have to be able to, you know, feel comfortable presenting. And it can be very terrifying. So this is how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Look at all of these experiences as a practice before I actually get into the career, uh, the actual real life application. Not that right now what we're doing is not real life application. It is. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about on a bigger scale when you actually have a job and you have to present before thousands of people. So you have to build up that uh, strength, that uh, confidence in you. And these are the smaller steps. If you keep pushing yourself like a little step at a time, it all accumulates and it all builds up. And it makes you a better and a stronger person, both per- personally and professionally. Elena, do you have like any like regrets or maybe that regrets may not be the right word, but do you think that there are some things looking back that you would have done differently? Uh, I think, here's what I think about it. I probably would get involved in the research earlier Mm -hmm. uh, because I was a transfer student. So the first year I felt like I had to really prove myself, you know, because you have to show the grades and everything, even though I came with very good grades still, you know, it's a little different. You have to prove yourself to, to the actual university widener. Yeah. So uh, I probably would get involved in some research. If I know Dr. Patil wasn't available at the time because he was the dean, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe I should have put more effort into getting involved in any kind of research just to test out. Again, you don't have to stick with one thing. If you don't know what you're gonna like, you can try different things. That's the advice for other students. Absolutely this research you can try that one and find yourself find what your interests are and what your passion is and you'll get the experience the experience is never wasted you learn from anything yeah and you move on with that with that baggage with that good baggage and yeah, I, think, I think it's just as important to figure out what you don't like in life 
Yes. Just as what you do like in life. Like exactly. Absolutely reasons to, you know, if you're working a job, let's say you're working an internship and you're like, you know, let's say you're doing an internship at, in like, you know, hydrology or like water treatment. And it's like, wow, mm-hmm. I really don't like this. Well, it's like, okay, well now you know you don't like that. So let's exactly. change. Exactly. Right. A thousand percent correct. Yep. Well, Lena, I just want to, I, I thank you for coming on the podcast. This is. Are you Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks I, for asking. Yeah. You had to really push me outside my comfort zone. So thank you for that. Because you do great things. I think people should know about it. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, so again, thank you for coming on. Um, thank you for sharing your research. That is super cool. Um, I told the viewers, I'm going to put, if you're interested in more about Lena's research, uh, she presented at Drexel's, one of Drexel's symposiums. So if you want to learn more about that, I'll leave a link in the description. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, one more thing. Yeah. If I, if I could add, uh, just also one advice to students. Uh, you can go through the summer. If you don't get involved into the circa, you know, research program, there are other ways to do that. Like last summer dur- during the COVID uh, pandemic here, uh, Dr. Patil reached out to me and other students and we joined on his project. So we actually published a paper on COVID-19. And uh, that's another thing, the research we did using similar approaches and methods, what we're doing with the cancer immunotherapy, we published a list of the drugs that are FDA approved right now that have a potential, they have to be tested further to treat COVID. So that's the thing that you can get involved in, anything. So don't just think, okay, there is this going on or that going on, it's too much. Always get involved in something because this is all the experience that accumulates. Is that paper published that can anyone Uh, Yes, I can send you the link on that. Oh, awesome. So I'll also include that YouTube video as well if you want to see um, Elena's, Elena's and Dr. Patil's research um, for the coronavirus. Um, I'll leave the paper in the description. You can go ahead and read it. Um, but like I said, Elena, thank you for so much for coming on. I was extremely enlightened. Um, and thank you for sharing. So Absolutely. You're welcome. And thanks for inviting me again. Everyone, as always, if you like the content, please like and subscribe. But until, until next time. Um, See you next time, I guess. Sounds good.